Brian. I am the pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church, and I know we've got some guests this morning, so uh, welcome in Christ's name. Uh, special welcome to those of you who uh, are joining online this morning. If you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to the New Testament book of Hebrews. Uh, oftentimes when I hear the word Hebrews, I think of the Old Testament. Hebrews is actually a book in the New Testament, and it's pretty deep, uh, pretty far in the New Testament. So you got to kind of flip way far into the New Testament. The book of Hebrews is where we are going to be this morning. If you're a guest this morning, uh, we do welcome you in Christ's name. Just kind of want to let you know what's going on here at Faith Lutheran. All summer long, we are in the middle of a sermon series called Good Question. And this sermon series has really arisen uh, from the questions of the congregation. So many of the folks here at Faith Lutheran have decided to read through the Bible, uh, Genesis through Revelation, cover to cover, in 2021. And as many of you are reading through Scripture, uh, some of you for the very first time, others of you, uh, 10, 20, I don't know, times you've gone through, you're like, hey, I see something here that I didn't see before, and I have a question. So I invited the congregation to just kind of send me some questions, and uh, that's what we're doing this summer, is just trying to answer some of these questions as best we can. And the question we're going to camp out on this morning uh, really has to do with the idea of angels, of celestial beings. Sometimes I hear people talk about, hey, when a person dies, uh, they get their wings. Uh, do people become angels after they die? Are angels really a thing? Uh, what does the Bible say about angels? This morning, we're going to look at a couple different ideas uh, as it relates to these angels. Looking at the book of Hebrews, uh, but we're going to be, uh, frankly, all over Scripture. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a beautiful morning, uh, for this time together, for God, an opportunity to open your word, to reflect uh, to, Lord, uh, really consider what you are saying to us, how you might be speaking to us, to renew us, to challenge us, and invite us to walk closer with you. God, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable, for you are indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, this past week, uh, I was reading about a NASA expert uh, who was reflecting on all things outer space. And he was reflecting and really making uh, the statement uh, that uh, many folks at, as at NASA, many uh, astronauts, many people who kind of work out in space, have come to the conclusion uh, that we are not alone in the universe. In fact, uh, he was arguing that he thinks that we will find uh, intelligent life probably within the new uh, next few decades somewhere out there. Now, of course, experts, NASA folks, uh, people have been speculating uh, for a long, long time about life out there, intelligent life out there. And we Christians, uh, we know that there is life out there. Uh, this is nothing new to us. Of course, life out there, intelligent life out there, we commonly refer to as angels as celestial beings uh, who uh, are all around us and certainly uh, in Scripture. NASA has, has kind of come late to the game. Uh, scientists have come late to the game on this. Uh, they're trying to catch up to the Bible, as often scientists do. 
is they're discover, discovering things, learning things. They're like, hey, we got an idea. We think there's something new. And those who have been reading for the Bible for a long, long time, I'm like, yeah, welcome to what it means to knowing just a little bit more about the universe. This stuff is all uh, spoken about, written about in Scripture, and uh, folks have been studying these things for hundreds, uh, for thousands of years. And I think one of the reasons why um, pop culture, Americans maybe have gotten more interested in this idea of angels uh, is because there's more and more um, movies and, and, and things going on uh, as it relates to just making us aware of intelligent life out there. A couple decades, of course, uh, ago, a movie came out by the name of, of Star Trek. And many of us saw Star Trek and began to wonder about intelligent life out there. We learned about another movie, Star Wars. And again, it just intrigued our imagination. Gosh, what in the world is going on out there? Could there be intelligent life? And Americans have really bought into this idea of angels out there. A recent CBS poll says that 77% of Americans believe in angels. And one of the interesting things about this poll is that even non-religious people uh, have a propensity to believe in uh, spiritual beings, these angels, these celestial beings out there who are all around us, this intelligent life, if you will. And so Hollywood has just really jumped on the bandwagon as it relates to this idea of angels. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, there was a movie that came out called Angels in the Outfield. Then there was another one, Angels in the End Zone. And then another one, Angels in the Infield. Apparently, Angels really liked Major League Sports. I don't really get it, uh, how all this works. And, and then there was a movie called Angels and Demons. Dan Brown invited us uh, to kind of go on this uh, whole idea of what does it mean uh, to have these celestial beings all around us. Um, other movies, Prophecy, Gabriel, Legion, um, you know, TV shows, Amazon Prime, all that good stuff has just invited us into more and more wondering about celestial beings uh, in our midst. And of course, the most famous movie ever about angels, about celestial beings goes back to 1947, stars Jimmy Stewart. And the movie is... It's a wonderful life. Yeah, you guys have probably seen, many of have, you have seen uh, this movie about It's a, a Wonderful Life, uh, this story about George Bailey. He loses his job and he gets really depressed around Christmas time and he's, he's actually even thinking about suicide until his guardian angel shows up on the scene, Clarence. And he invites Jimmy Stewart, reminds him, hey, your life is not that bad. In fact, I want you to look at all the blessings in your life and I want you to keep living. And It's a Wonderful Life is just this wonderful story that just kind of tears at our emotions and reminds us that, God, that life is short, life is a gift, and we need to use every single day. And Clarence reminds us, that there are angels watching over us and encouraging us and reminding us. But the truth is, it's a wonderful life in all the Hollywood movies. It's just human beings speculating about what it means to have these celestial beings all around us. 
And so this morning, uh, rather than look to Hollywood for our cues, rather than looking to pop culture for our cues, we're going to look to the Bible and really look at what God's Word says to us about angels, about celestial beings. And we're going to primarily focus on the book of Hebrews, but like I say, we are going to be all over the place. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Hebrews 1 this morning. Uh, It's a short chapter in the New Testament. Here we go. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful, powerful Word. After He had provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. So He became as much superior to the angels as the name He has inherited is superior to theirs. For which of the angels did God ever say, You are my Son, today I have become your Father? Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when the father brings his firstborn into the world and says, let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, uh, your, therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will be like a, uh, they will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment, they will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? And so the the writer of Hebrews, all of, of the book of Hebrews, it's about Jesus. And what the writer is doing in Hebrews 1 especially is comparing and contrasting Jesus Christ, the Son of God, with the angels, with these celestial beings. And so this morning, as we look at these 14 verses, we see that the angels arise six different times. So they're really kind of uh, significant even in this text. And what I'd like to do this morning is give you seven ideas about angels from the book of Hebrews. So if you've got your Bibles and you like to take notes, you might put a header uh, in the margins. Seven ideas about angels from, uh, uh, from Hebrews 1. So the first one, I've already mentioned it. Angels are significant, Angels are significant. As we look at the 66 Bibles, Old Testament and New Testament of Scripture, angels are uh, come up 
34 different times, meaning more than half the Bible, we see a different instance of the angels, uh, angel or angels, 17 in the Old Testament, 17 in the New Testament. So angels are well represented in scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. If you were to count up all the different angel encounters, if you will, throughout scripture, Genesis through Revelation, you would encounter angels about three hundred different times. Angels are very significant in scripture. In fact, we get our English word angel uh, from the Greek, uh, angelos. And we can hear that. It's a transliterated word uh, from the Greek language, from scripture, angelos. That's where we get this word angel. And angelos literally means messenger, Someone who is delivering some kind of news. As you think about angels or angelos, think of the United States Postal Service. Think about Amazon Prime who rolls up to your house. Think about uh, UPS. Think about uh, the folks who uh, you read the news day in and day out. As you think about angelos, I'm reminded of a guy who used to, for 40 years, uh, deliver uh, the news on television, and he would always finish his news newscast by saying, and that's the way it is. Think of Walter Cronkite. Anybody miss Walter Cronkite? You know, his, uh, uh, you know he was known as the most uh, trusted voice in America. Remember when we used to read news and listen to news and we trusted the news? That was Walter Cronkite. He was an angelos an angel, a messenger who delivered a message. And so this is this idea uh, from Scripture, from the Bible, an angelos, a messenger. The Bible has many different names uh, for, uh, for angels. Sometimes they're known as spirits. Sometimes they're known as uh, principalities, powers, dominion, authorities. It doesn't always say angel, but it's got this, this reference, this idea, this concept to celestial beings, to those who are out there and all around us, speaking to us uh, and encouraging us and inviting us. The scripture also talks about two primary kinds of angels, the cherubim. And when we hear the word cherubim, uh, they are the warriors. They are the ones who are going into battle. In fact, when you read in the Old Testament, uh, where uh, when uh, Adam and Eve leave the Garden of Eden, there's this idea of cherubim soldiers who are standing there, they are standing guard, and they are not allowing humankind back into the garden. They're the warriors. And then when you read about the Ark of the Covenant, as many of us have been reading through the Old Testament, we've heard about the Ark of the Covenant over and over and you probably remember where uh, there were these angels uh, that were carved out of wood on the Ark of the Covenant and their wings touched together. They were cherubim. And God said, that's where I'm going to meet you in the midst of those wings in the, of the cherubim. And there's many references to the cherubim, these, these soldier angels uh, in the Old and the New Testament. Then there's the seraphim. And the seraphim are another kind of angel, and they have a specific role, a specific purpose. They're the ones who are singing. Over and over we read that they're, the one, they're like the worship team, right? So they're the guys who are up here. They're the band. And in heaven they're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
And so when you hear the word seraphim, think of singing, singing angels, and they're singing all around us in heaven and on earth. And this idea uh, that the angels are all around us. And so I hope you hear that they play a significant role in the universe out there in our lives. So number one, they're significant. Number two, uh, angels are created by God. This is an important idea because I hear a lot of misunderstanding about who angels are. Angels are, uh, are um, uh, they were created. Like you and me, they were created by God. In fact, in Job 1 and 2, uh, they are referred to as sons of God. See, sometimes I hear people talk about, um, uh, uh, you know, when we die, uh, that we become angels. There's no scriptural support for that idea that we somehow uh, metamorphosize into angels. You are human beings. Someday you will be transformed uh, as a Christ follower. You're going to get a new body. You're going to get, you know, this, this new presence before God. Um, we talked about that in some of our sermons this summer. You will not become an angel. You're not going to get wings. I don't exactly know what, you know, what our bodies are going to look like. But angels are separate creation from God. They were like you and me. They did not exist from eternity past like God. One day God created them, but like you and me, they will live for all eternity. This is what scripture teaches us. Now, um, sometimes people will say, well, you know, what, um, you know, what about a daddy angel and a mommy angel making a baby angel, right? Like, um, you know, little cherub, fat little baby, something like that. Hollywood, folks, this is pop culture. Angels don't procreate, okay? You don't have a daddy angel, a mommy angel, and a baby angel. God made all the angels um, when we don't exactly know when. And theologians, uh, folks who study angels, folks who study scripture, uh, there's a couple different ideas, a couple different theories. Some theologians argue uh, that God made the angels uh, before Genesis 1, before the creation of the world. And there's some scriptural evidence for that. So before in the beginning when uh, God created the heavens and the earth, right? We know that text. Some argue that the angels were created by God even before that. And one of the main reasons why that is argued is because when the angel, when God was making the earth, there's some good scripture text that says that the angels were there yelling and screaming and shouting and praising, saying, God, this is awesome. You are making the world. It is so beautiful. It is so amazing. So they were a present at the time of the creation. Other theologians and scholars who study scripture uh, and when exactly the angels were made would say, well, we think it was probably somewhere between day one and day five. Sometime in there, we don't exactly know when, uh, because uh, before the creation of the world, there was nothing. Scripture also tells us the world was void. And we don't know. My point is, we don't know exactly when angels were created by God, but they were certainly created very early on. All right. Uh, their angels are significant. Angels were created by God. Number three, angels are numerous. There's a lot of angels 
Oftentimes when we read in scripture, uh, this whole idea of angelos or angels, principalities, powers, authorities, it's usually in the plural because there's a lot of them. I want to give you a couple scripture texts here uh, to kind of give you an idea of, of how many angels there are. In Deuteronomy 33, 2, this is a reading uh, where God is giving the Old Testament law, the Ten Commandments to Moses. And this is what it says in uh, Deuteronomy 33, 2. God uh, came to Moses, uh, the Lord, with myriads of his holy ones. So myriads which is a lot. We don't use that word a lot today, but it just means a lot of angels showed up when God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. Many of us, all of us probably are familiar with the story in Luke 2, where there's the, the, the shepherds out there and the angel talks to the shepherds and say, hey, you need to go to Bethlehem. You need to see that the Savior has born been born. And the shepherds are kind of freaking out in that moment. And then all of a sudden it says in Luke 2, a great company of heavenly hosts who appeared with the angel brought the message to the shepherd. So now it's a great company. Hebrews 12 says this, we worship with thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Thousands upon thousands, and I love the imagery there as I think about thousands and thousands of angels who are worshiping with us this morning. And sometimes when we come to worship on Sunday morning and we're singing the songs and we're not always sure of the words, we're not always sure of the music, and so we kind of maybe mumble a little bit, you got to know that the angels are worshiping with us. They are joining with us. They are singing with us. And if you're off key, it's okay because they're on key. And they are just singing praises to God. Thousands upon thousands is what it says. Revelation 5 says this. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. Now, you know, many of you know, I am not a math person. I struggle with math but I can figure this one out. Revelation 5 is telling us that there are at least 100 million angels around the throne. Revelation 5 is this, this picture, this scene of heaven as the angels and all of God's people are worshiping God around the throne. Imagine 100 million angels. There are a lot of angels, folks, according to scripture, and they are all around us. Now, of all those angels uh, uh, around us, really, in many cases, we only know the names of three, three angels. So think about this for a moment. If you can think of three angels, the first probably uh, angel that you know of is, is Michael, right? Michael, many of us know the archangel by the name of Michael, and he was a warrior in the Old Testament and the New Testament, Michael was a powerful and mighty warrior, and he's given the title of Archangel. I don't know exactly what that means, but I think he had a, a little extra power uh, being an Archangel, if you will. The second uh, angel that we know, uh, his name is Gabriel. And as we think about Gabriel, we're like, oh, I know Gabriel. He was that guy in the Old Testament and the New Testament who was always looking forward and pointing to Jesus. He was the angelos messenger, the one who was saying, hey, Jesus is coming. Gabriel was the guy who came to Mary and Joseph and said, hey, fear not. You're going to have a baby. His name's going to be Jesus. Trust me on this. It's going to be good. 
That's Gabriel. So we got Michael, we got Gabriel. Anyone know the name of the third angel according to scripture? Lucifer. Yeah, you probably weren't thinking about Lucifer, right? Lucifer is mentioned in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Once upon a time, Lucifer uh, was an angel. He was in heaven with God. But he thought to himself, you know, I can do better than God. Lucifer had all sorts of pride. And so he got thrown out of heaven. And Lucifer continues to wreak havoc on earth. Lucifer is the third name of an angel. Now, next Sunday, uh, I thought today, since we're preaching on uh, or spending some time on angels, next weekend, uh, we are going to look at uh, Satan and the demons. Doesn't that sound like a picker-upper? Pretty awesome uh, for us to be studying. Uh, Jeff and I were talking about this last week. Uh, hey, we're going to do uh, angel, uh, demons and uh, Satan. And Jeff said, I don't know if I know any songs about uh, worshiping Satan and the demons. And aren't you glad your worship leader doesn't know any songs about Satan and the demons? Um, so anyways, uh, that's, that's where we're going. I was talking to Rich this morning, and, uh, and, and, uh, and Rich didn't bat an eye. He's like, well, I guess you got to know all the players on the field, right? And I said, yep, that's why we're doing this. Uh, I don't love uh, preaching about Satan and the demons, but we got to know about Satan and the demons uh, because they are, uh, they're in Scripture, and we got to know uh, what they are up to. So back to the angels, um, Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer are the names. There are a lot of uh, angels all around us. Significant, created by God, numerous. Number four, angels are powerful. They're powerful. They're way more powerful than you and me. See, as we think about uh, angels, we cannot forget that while they can, you know, fly around and do things, go through walls and all that good stuff, and that they are created by God, that they are more powerful. Scripture tells us that when God made Jesus, when Jesus came to earth to be like a human, to be like you and me, that he made him just a little bit lower than the angels, so even Jesus, when he walked on this earth, he was lower than the angels, which tells us that the angels are powerful. Let me give you a couple examples uh, from Scripture. One of my favorite stories uh, comes from the Old Testament, and we, we just read this recently. King Hezekiah. Remember King Hezekiah in the Old Testament? He is in big trouble. Israel is in big trouble. And what happens to King Hezekiah uh, is, is he's running around wondering, what in the world are we going to do? We're about ready to be attacked by the enemy invaders. And so King Hezekiah uh, prays uh, that God will rescue them, that God will help them. And this is what God's people always do in the midst of calamity, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of hardship. Whenever we feel like we're surrounded, we cry out to God, God, rescue me. And that's exactly what King Hezekiah did as he prayed out to God. And, and this is what it says, God's response in 2 Kings 19.35. That night, the angel of the Lord went down uh, out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. When the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. Think about this for a moment, folks. One angel of God 
killed 185,000 people. Don't tick off an angel. They're powerful. They are strong. They can do things that we can't even imagine. We need to be very, very careful with the power of these angels. Fast forward to the New Testament. We read about as Jesus was being arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. We know that story, right? And as Jesus is being arrested, Peter gets out his sword and he lops off the, the ear of somebody who has come to arrest Jesus. Jesus looks at Peter and says, Hey, Pete, put the, soul, put the, the sword away. Matthew 26, 53. Peter, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? How many angels are in a legion? I'm glad you asked. 6,000. All these things you wanted to know throughout your life. So what Jesus is saying is, hey, Pete, I can call out to God and he will instantly show up. 72,000 angels. It's just a handful of guys that have come to arrest me. These angels have power. And remember, if one angel can kill 100,000 plus, imagine what 72,000 angels could do. An army of angels, if you will. Angels are very, very powerful. They are significant. They are created by God. They are numerous. They are powerful. Number five, angels are only seen rarely. We don't oftentimes see angels all around us. They show up every now and then. In our Hebrews text this morning, uh, the, the, the writer refers to them as spirits. They don't oftentimes have a body like you and me. They look different than you and me. Every now and then, God will allow an angel to put on a body to have a visage of a human being and look like a person to show up uh, like a messenger, like an angel of God. Let me give you a couple examples. Uh, many of you know the Old Testament story of Balaam. Remember that story of Balaam, uh, the, talking, the talking donkey? Not Shrek, the other talking donkey. Balaam, he's got this donkey. And so Balaam's cruising down the road and his donkey stops walking and he gets upset, he gets mad. So he starts beating his donkey. He can't figure out why his donkey isn't continuing to move on. And then all of a sudden... God says, I'm going to help you, Balaam, so that you can see why your donkey is not walking. Numbers 22, 31. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. Can you imagine going down the road and, all, and you can't figure out what's going on and then all of a sudden God opens your eyes and you're like, there's an angel standing with a sword, flames all around. He was pretty freaked out. You'd be pretty freaked out. And there's these instances uh, that happen over and over uh, throughout Scripture, uh, both in the Old Testament uh, and the New Testament. I want to give you another one from the Old Testament. This one comes from uh, the Old Testament character Elisha. Elisha, of course, uh, was a, a prophet. And he found himself in a community called Dothan. 
And again, we read about this recently, those of you who are reading through the Bible. And this great? Many of you are reading through the Bible, and as I'm talking about uh, Elisha and, and um, uh, these different Old Testament prophets, they're like, oh yeah, I've been reading about these people. They're great. You get more and more familiar with Scripture. So as I talk about Elisha, remember that time he showed up in this community of Dothan? And the Syrians, again, he's, he's attacked. He's, he's being surrounded, and he's not sure what to do. And Elisha had a young protege. It says like a servant guy, a guy who is his helper. And so this one day, the servant guy comes up to Elisha and says, we are in big trouble. The Syrians have surrounded us. There's just a handful of us. We are in big trouble. And Elisha looks at his servant, his helper, and he says, now I think we're good. Because surrounding those guys are God's helpers. We've got an even bigger army. This is what it says in 2 Kings 6, 6, 17. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You hear that language? Horses, chariots of fire. See, you thought Hollywood uh, came up with this idea of chariots of fire. They ripped it off from Scripture. They didn't come up with that title, Chariots of Fire. It's the angels surrounding the enemies, the people of God. Then in the New Testament, we think about uh, when angels show up on the scene. Perhaps one of the more famous was, was when Jesus rose from the grave. Matthew 28, there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards could see this angel. They were so afraid that they shook and became like dead men. So every now and then, people get an image of what the angels actually look like. Most of the time, we don't see them. They're spirits. They're invisible to our eyes. But every now and then, they show up and they show off who God is and they have a human body. In fact, you might have met an angel. And some of you are thinking, no, I would have recognized it. I think I would have known if I had ever met an angel. I don't think you would have. Scripture tells us that we should be kind to everyone, that we should practice hospitality because at some point in time, you you may have actually entertained angels. You ever heard that phrase before? Entertaining angels. You never know. Sometimes angels take on human flesh and blood. Most of the time, they're rarely seen. And maybe you've heard stories about people who are hitchhiking. They get picked, you know, they, they, they pick somebody up, a, a hitchhiker uh, going down the road, and they, they tell them all about their life. And then all of a sudden, poof, they disappear. You ever heard those stories? Apparently, angels hitchhike too. I don't really know why, but I guess they got to get somewhere somehow. I don't know. But there are stories in our days, in our times. And, and maybe you're in your life where you are like, I wonder, I wonder if that person was an angel. I wonder if that person who I met was an angel. They knew stuff about me. There was something about them. Most of the time we don't see them, but every now and then 
we get to see their bodies. So angels are significant. They're created by God. They're numerous. They're powerful. They're rarely seen. Uh, and number six, they share in the work of God. Hebrews 1.7 says this, in speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants, flame, uh, servants flames of fire. They share in the work of God. God doesn't have to use angels to do uh, what God wants to do. But God chooses throughout history to use angels uh, to do his work. Psalm 103 says it like this, the mighty ones who do God's bidding and obey his words. You and I are not the mighty ones, okay? The psalmist refers to the mighty ones. He's talking about angels doing God's bidding and obey his words. Several years ago, Billy Graham uh, wrote a, a great book uh, about angels. And the subtitle was God's Secret Agents. And I like that subtitle because that gives me a good visual for what the angels are up to. They're like God's secret, secret, uh, secret agents. I can just see these uh, angels uh, in, in the midst of our congregation or in our community. I got John Petrillo coming on over here. Keep an eye on him. Watch what he's doing. He looks like he's out of control. I mean, that's how I visualize God's secret agents watching us taking care of us in everything that we're doing. They share in God's work. So we think about the creation story. I mentioned this already. It says that they were at the creation singing praise. So when God was speaking the universe into creation, there was a soundtrack. There was background music going. And I, I think there was probably like this crescendo. It's getting louder and louder. And the worship band is just going crazy as God is creating the earth and the sky and the trees and, and the sun and the moon and the waters. And there's this music going and the angels are like, just this great moment. That's why they don't invite me to serve on the, the worship team, right? They share in God's work. I mentioned also that there were the angels. God could have just given Moses the Ten Commandments, but he said, I'm going to bring some angels to go with me because I just want to make this a holy moment. I want some background music. I want some singing. I want some ambiance. I want to set the stage as I give Moses the Ten Commandments, the covenant law. Then there were, uh, the, as we think about the angels in terms of doing God's work, I've mentioned this also, that they were singing and, and praising as they were talking to Mary and Joseph. God could have just come to Mary and Joseph and said, hey, get ready. I'm coming. His name is Jesus, but he decided to send some people. And then God sent some more angels to Mary and Joseph after Jesus was born. He said, there's this guy, his name is Herod. He wants to kill my son, Jesus. Run away. And over and over, the angels show up and they help Jesus throughout his life. Remember when Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan? It says, after those 40 days, Jesus was ministered to by the angels. They came and took care of him. 
And then at the end of Jesus' life, there he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's sweating blood. He's stressed out of his mind. He's getting ready to be arrested and go to the cross. It says there were the angels in the Garden of Gethsemane ministering to Jesus. Over and over and over, we see these angels showing up, doing and working with the very presence of God. And then we get to uh, the book of Revelation. 75 times angels show up over and over in the book of Revelation. And they're doing God's work. They're doing God's work. God could do it all. God could stand in heaven and just worship himself because he is worthy of our worship. He's like, no, I'm going to have some angels worship me. And so we read about the angels over and over worshiping God throughout the, 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 the New Testament book of Revelation. And interestingly, we shouldn't be surprised that, God is in he- uh, that the angels are in heaven with God. Jesus tells us that the angels even help out uh, during the time of judgment. So in that moment where you and I uh, stand before Jesus, there's going to be angels there. They're going to be helping out. I don't exactly know what they're going to be doing, but it says they're going to be there because that's what they do. They share in the work of God. Angels are significant. Angels are created by God. Angels are numerous. They're powerful. They're rarely seen. They share in the work of God. And number seven, I think this is the best news of all. Angels serve people. They serve us. This is what they do. Over and over and over, Scripture tells us, all the ways in which uh, um, uh, angels serve us. In verse 14, from what I read a few moments ago in Hebrews 1, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve, sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? That's their job description. What do you do as an angel? We serve people. We serve people who were created by God and they are lower than us, but this is our, in our job description. They serve us. So if you hear nothing else this morning, know that you are being served uh, over and over. So how do they serve us? Scripture tells us that one of the ways in which they serve us is they watch us. Angels are watching us over and over all the time. They just, they're just standing there. Huh, looking at us, watching, observing. And some of you might be thinking, well, it sounds like they're spying. They are. They're spying on you. And here's what you got to know. Every word that is spoken from your mouth, God knows about. Every thought in your mind, God knows about. The mic is always on. The camera is always on. There are angels watching you. Always. You're like, huh, what in the world are those people up to today? There are angels watching us time and time again. Scripture tells us uh, that angels are watching us. You have no secrets. If you think you've got secrets, you don't. Number So they watch us. Number two, they protect us. Uh, Psalm 37 uh, says it this way. The angel of the Lord guards all those who fear him and he rescues them. You're being, you're being protected. You're being watched over. You're being cared for. And time and time again, I want to give you a couple more verses here so that you can hear how God's angels show up and, and serve God's people and provide protection. 
Uh, let's see, Daniel 6.22. Actually, I want to set this up. Most of us know the story of Daniel. Remember Daniel in the lion's den? You know, he's, he gets thrown. He's, he's disobedient to the king. He doesn't do what the king wants. And so the king says, you're going to go see the lions, which meant you're going to go get eaten by the lions. And in that moment, Daniel's he cries out to God. He says, God, protect me. Help me out. And this is God's response uh, to Daniel's prayer. Daniel 6.22. My God sent the angel and shut the lion's mouth. Can't you just get this visual picture of an angel just holding on to this lion's mouth? I just love that. You know, we oftentimes just think, well, I don't know. The lion's mouth was just closed. I think there was an angel, according to Daniel, holding its mouth shut. That's how they protected Daniel in that moment, I think, uh, as, as those angels were there. Then I think about the New Testament, another example. This time, Peter's in prison, and along come the angels to rescue him. Acts 12 says this, an angel was sent from heaven to rescue Peter from prison. Over and over, we see these stories, these examples of uh, the angels showing up, uh, protecting God's people. Number three, I talked about this a little bit already. Um, how they serve us is they join us. They join us in worship. They watch us, they protect us, and they join us. Now, I think a, probably a, a more accurate way of saying this is that we join them. Because the angels have been around a lot longer than you, you and me. And they've been worshiping God a lot longer than you and me. But we join them in worship on Sunday mornings. They worship 24-7, always. But we join them. We come together with them on Sunday morning. We're all in a mega, a mega church we're in the mega choir of a mega church singing to God. You're the choir. We join the angels as we come into worship, worship God. And the last thing I want to say about how the angels uh, serve us as God's people is they usher us into the presence of God. I love that. They usher us into the presence of God. Some of you I know uh, have signed up to be ushers here at uh, Faith Lutheran Church. Um, so you've kind of got an eye out for when new people are coming in uh, to worship through the gates. And your role as an usher is to find the new people and to help the new people feel welcome, to make them comfortable, and say, hey, I got a spot over here in the shade. Um, my name is, is Brian, and, and I've you know, been here, and uh, what's your name? And, and they make you feel comfortable and, and welcome. And this is what the ushers, uh, the angel ushers do, is that after you die, and you go to the presence of Jesus, the angels surround you. They're like, hey, let's, we want to come alongside you. We want to usher you into the presence of Jesus. You know, one of the privileges I have um, as a pastor is I get to preside at many funerals. And there's just always this, uh, uh, this uh, situation that happens that after we've done the funeral uh, at the church or wherever we've done the funeral, we, we, we oftentimes get into a, 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 a parade of cars and we go out to a cemetery or we go somewhere and there's just this line of cars and everybody puts on their lights and uh, I'm usually in the lead car with the, uh, the funeral director. And I just, it's, I, just, I just get this imagery of angels surrounding the vehicles as we're going to the cemetery because they're ushering us to this place 
of eternity where the person is going. I love that, that the usher, uh, that the angels usher us into the presence of God. So why does all this matter? That there are angels all around, that there are tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of angels all around us. I think why it's important for you and for me to know about angels is to be reminded that you're not alone. You know, if one thing uh, that COVID has taught uh, the world, so much isolation, so much separation, so much disconnection, many of us have felt alone. What the angels tell us is they're all around us. They're with us. They're ministering to us. They're bringing us comfort. They're bringing us hope. They're bringing us strength and encouragement. And oftentimes, we don't see them. Oftentimes, we don't even feel them. But like we sang about this morning, even when we don't see them, God is still working through them and surrounding us and leading us and guiding us. When I was in junior high, uh, I started running, and I know many of you uh, I've shared these stories, uh, my war stories from junior high cross-country days. One of my, uh, the things my uh, junior high cross-country coach taught me uh, in junior high uh, running was to always run in a pack. Don't ever run on your own. Don't ever run isolated. Don't ever get away from the pack. Stay with the pack at all costs. And so that's what I did all through junior high cross country, all through high school cross country, all through college cross country. I always try to run with a group, with a pack of people as we're going through a race. You always stay with the pack. You never fall behind uh, from the pack. And what you do is when you get just a, a little burst of energy is you move to the next pack. And then you run with that pack for a while. And after a bit, you, you, you move up to the next pack. And you never get separated from the pack. And so last week when I was tuning into the Olympics, and I know many of you were, isn't it interesting to watch how the runners, they run in a pack. They always stick together. And when someone gets separated from the pack, they very quickly fall behind. And if you've watched the marathon uh, last weekend, it is no wonder uh, that the runners, one, two, and three, all finished within 90 seconds of one another. Imagine running 26.2 miles and, and you, somebody beats you out by four seconds, by five seconds. That is not by accident. See how the, the, the training, the strategy of any marathon runner is that they are running in a pack and they will run together in a pack for 26 miles and then the last 0.2 miles, then it becomes a sprint. You stay in the pack. And so this morning, I want to remind you, you're part of a pack. You're a part of a church a community of Jesus followers who are gathered here and online. But we're not the only pack. We've got angels all around us, protecting us, guiding us, leading us, helping us so that we can finish the race of life strong. I think that's good news. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for your word, um, which is so different than the world. Your word, which reminds us, Lord, that there are angels all around, encouraging us, championing us, helping us along in life's journey. 
God, oftentimes we don't feel the angels. Oftentimes we don't even see the angels. We don't experience the angels. But God, your word tells us that there are millions upon millions of angels all around us. And you have created them to serve us. Thank you, God, for these servants that you have created. Lord, help us um, to have eyes to see them. Help us, Lord, to have uh, open minds and open lives to experience them and to just receive them as they walk alongside us and guide us through life and remind us that we are not alone. And so, Lord, as we continue to worship you this morning, we join the angels. We join those celestial beings that you created long, long ago to worship you, to serve you. Thank you, God. Thank you for creating the angels. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.